0: Good morning, and we're so glad that every single one of you are with us and everyone who's watching online. It's just an amazing opportunity, and, you know, Michael mentioned all the different mediums that we're on, and we actually have added some that I didn't get a chance, forgot to tell him. We're on literally every streaming platform there is. We're on Stitcher, TuneIn, um, Google Podcasts now. We're on every single one of them. I actually did a search to find out if there was more places that we could put in. All of them are Belong Church. So you'll go and find us there. And we're so glad for everyone that's joining us. And I know you hear us say it all the time, but whether or not you're in the room or whether or not this is your first time or you've listened to it, you know, it's a year or two from now. You know we're just so happy that we're able to be here and for you to be here with us. Last week, of course, was Mother's Day, and we celebrated. A, you know, a great time with all the different mothers in our lives. And you know, during this past week, we celebrated uh, my family. We celebrated with Lenore on Monday. We we're able to get everybody but one here for dinner, which is awesome. The larger your family gets, the harder it is to get everybody there. And we got to speak with my mom and dad and brother actually on Mother's Day, and it was a great. Opportunity and and I hope everyone had a great time, um, just enjoying family and being together with family. Can you believe that today is May the nineteenth? Where has time came? It seems like just yesterday or maybe a week ago we were doing Christmas. And now we're at May 19th. My baby girl, Jenny, who was singing with us this morning, she's graduating this week on Thursday, and we're having her party on Friday. Can you believe it? After that summer is upon us, we've got all these crazy graduation parties and schedules that were going on, and now all of a sudden when we just think that everything just couldn't be any more busy, it's going to get more busy, and then vacations and everything. Everything. But we're going to make it, and we're so glad that you're doing life with us, and we want to encourage you and just ask you to continue to do life with us because that's really what makes the most um, out of our life is when we're doing it together. This morning's message, I, I, I picked this bumper video on purpose, and it's kind of like you know, walking around with blindfold on, and when you can't see, you don't really know what's going on. And, and I, I just want to tell you this morning that I'm a visual person. If, for me, I've got to see it before I can really conceptualize it. Before I can really do anything with it, imagine with me though, if someone comes up to you with a plan that will benefit you financially, they've got this qu- get quick, get rich, quick scheme. Excuse me, but it's going to require something of you, and you're like, ah, do I want to put my money in? Do I want to put my time into this? Do I want to have meetings, you know, and and get other people to sign up or whatever it would be. If you're like me, you'll look at it and, and you'll try and fit it in your understanding. You're going to try and say, "Hey, can I wrap my brain around this?" Even your logic, your experience. If we, someone came to me with another multi-level marketing thing, I think we've been in almost everyone, right, Lenore? Almost everyone, if not everyone. In fact, we should start our own, just so we can add another one. I'm just completely joking. That is not going to happen, but. Our own experiences even taint. It's like someone, you know, would come up and say, hey, can you come to my house? I want to share. Is it Amway? You know, you just cut them right off. You don't really let them finish the, the sentence or the conversation. You're just like cutting them right off. Like, oh, no, I don't want that. You always will look at things, and we try to visualize things through our experience, through our logic, through our understanding. Then we'll either say these words. I can see how that'll work yeah, I might be interested in that. Or you'll look at it and go, I just don't see it. It doesn't make sense to me. I can't wrap my brain around it. So eh, I don't want to be involved with something that I can't wrap my brain around. If you'll open your Bibles with me this morning to second kings chapter five we're going to read the story and, and i went through this story just a little bit a few weeks ago so if you heard that message it's going to be a great refresher and if you've never heard the story you'll be hearing it for the first time but naaman it says in verse one was the commander of an army of king aram so here he is he's part of god's um country of of the different things that are in there if if not going to try and get too technical with that because that's not the point but he's a great commander it says he's a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded the king is that speaking of because through him the lord had given victory to their country and he was a valiant soldier but he had leprosy and so many people will look at different things in their lives and, and maybe you look at it within and say, man, you've got so much going on, but there's this one thing over here. You're, you're able to turn it off or you're try, able to, to push it down or, and you just push through it all, but there's still that one thing for Naaman. It was leprosy. And I'm not going to go into how nasty leprosy was and the, the health side effects of all that stuff, but it's pretty bad. I mean... Parts of your, your extremities will fall off and there'll just be a gaping, bleeding hole, and just it's nasty stuff. And that's certainly not what you want to be around. It's extremely contagious. So here's this brilliant man, such an asset to the king, and he's got this terrible contagious disease. Verse two, now the bands of raider from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. So she said to her mistress, if only my master, talking about Naaman, would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So hear this Israel girl who is taken captive by this foreign country, even though God is involved, and we just saw that God gave favor through him. So there's a lot of things in that we can't wrap our brain around, which that's, again, not the focus of what we're talking about this morning. But here, this Israeli girl is a captive. She's a slave by every um, definition you would want to have, and her heart is tender towards her master and says, wouldn't it be great if he would just go to where the man of God is. So he, he, she told him about it. He went to the king. The king says, absolutely go. And so he sent him to the king in Samaria, and the king of Samaria freaked out and says, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I can't heal anybody, and now they're going to be mad at me. This could cause war if I don't heal this guy because he's a really, really important guy. And so he sent word to the man of God, which is, if you read in the Bible, it's, that's the first thing she said, there's a man there. She didn't say there's a king there. She said there's a man there talking about Elisha. So Elisha got word that the king is all distraught, asked him what it's about, and he says, well, this is the situation. We pick up in verse nine. Sorry, verse eight. Before that says, so Elisha said, send him down to me. So then verse nine, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Imagine that. He's traveled this whole way, hope rising inside of him. I mean, you, there's no cure for it. It's not like we would go for a second opinion or a third opinion and say, hey, is there something you can do for me here? Let me go to this better hospital. No, there was nothing. It was, there was nothing you're going to do. You're going to live like this until you die, and you're going to live alone. So he's building up. He gets there. And Elisha sent his messenger to him and said, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored, and you'll be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that, and here's where every single one of us, myself, at the top of this list, get into trouble. We think what we think, how we think it should be. And how do we do that? We do it because we frame it the same way if someone comes and offers an opportunity for you to get into business with them, we frame it in our own experience, fit it in our own logic, and we try and fit it in the thing that where it'll make sense to us, and we don't really want to do things that doesn't make sense to us. So Naaman is sitting here going, I thought surely he would come out and stand up and call on God, call on the name of God, and he'll wave his hand over the spot, and he'll cure me of my leprosy. But you see, it's not happening the way he thought it should happen. And he goes on, are not these other rivers in Damascus better than all the rivers and the waters of Israel? Like this is dirty. This is a nasty river. Why can't you do it the way I think it should be done? If this would make better sense. Maybe the water's gonna be like a healing water, or this, you know, spring water is gonna like have this antibiotic in it. And it's going I mean, we're trying to work your logic around it. Couldn't I wash and them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. I find myself too oftentimes that when God asks me to do something, when he gives me instructions, I try and make it work in my own mind. And I try and make it where it's logical to me and where I can say, oh yeah, 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 I understand that. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll get back with you whenever whenever I need some more instruction. But Naaman's servants went to him and said, my father, If the prophet had told you to do some great thing, some extraordinary out of the, like, over-the-top thing, would you have not done it? How much more than when he tells you, just go to the river and be washed and be cleansed? Thankfully, he listened to his counsel. Verse 14, so he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him to. See, there's times in our lives that we need to go to the man of God that God has provided in our life and say, hey, what is it I need to do? We talk a lot about next steps, and this just never going to be something that ever gets away from us because everyone always has a next step, and God is always telling us. He did what he was told to do by the man of God, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. It's difficult for me to advance when I can't see it in my mind's eye. For me personally, I kind of hit a roadblock or I hit a hurdle, and it's kind of like, until I can see how to get over that hurdle, until I can see how it's all going to work, I kind of get paralyzed. When we were still at North Church and we we were doing the transitions and everything, we converted the the storage room into a a major storage area for us and we took everything we were keeping and put it in the sink. So I needed to use the, the space wisely and there was lots of space going up, not that much going left and right. So I sat in there for no joke. In anybody else, my dad could have sat there in like three seconds and figured out how to do this thing. But for me, I sat there for a few hours trying to figure out how could I do this? How is this going to support? And then I would call my dad and ask him, hey, if I do this and if I do that, and then I talked to somebody else and I'm like, man, I'll put a lot of weight on that second level. How am I going to? And I went through all this thing and it wasn't until I saw it finally in my mind's eye that I was able to, to proceed and take the next step. The same is true with this church. God called us to start this church and I couldn't see it. And I'm like, God, no, this isn't for me. I, I don't mind being number two, number four, number 500. I'm not really concerned with what my number is, my place. But God, let me help advance someone else's vision. He says, no, I've led you in that spot for the last 30 years. And that's all building up for now. It took me a while to be able to see it, and I, and I thought I had it all figured out, and then it was completely different than what God had shown me. But can I tell you this? God often will show us a vision that is only partial. And I think he does it as a protection to us and certainly to me, because if I'd have seen everything that I could see up to now, looking in hindsight back, I would have been scared out of my ever-loving mind. And if I can't even imagine what the future is, it would even paralyze me even more. But like ah, And we would say these words, I can't do that. There's no way. And we'll start propping up these obstacles of how it's not even possible. See, 1 Corinthians 13 says, For now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. See, right now, it's all a puzzle in some things. It's like, man, I see these pieces and I don't really understand how they're all to go together. Maybe you're like me and you've had people prophesy over you and say, Hey, I've got a word from God for you. And you take that and you you put it up on the shelf, and then you get another one, and you're like, these don't match. Put it up on the shelf, and over the course of your life, you just put all these up, and you're like, I'm so confused. It's it's not seeming like it's all there. It's almost like there's pieces of a puzzle that are all laying out here, and like, I can't see how this is going to fit together. Goes on to say, all that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then, but then, but then, one day, when we're in heaven, likely... We're going to look down and go, oh, I get it now. Oh, I see what you saw, God. Just as God now knows me completely. See, God knows the entire plan for your life. He knows every single step. He knows every next step that we all need to take. He knows every single puzzle piece. In him, it looks amazing it's like man what a tapestry of how this is all going to come together but we're sitting here with some pieces of a puzzle and going i don't get it but where it says that just as god now knows me completely that word completely means he knows exactly it's like almost like you're measuring a board so it's exactly going to fit into that spot when we were still in Florida, we were serving at a church called Word of Christ, and they had an all-night prayer vigil for the men. And, and I, I love prayer. It's not my calling. It's Lenore's calling for sure. It's certainly not mine, but I was excited to go, but I'm not an all-night prayer kind of guy. It's just like I'm, I'm happy to follow the corporate authority, and, and I went. But 2 or 3 in the morning, that's when I'm starting to land the plane. And that's, you know, I'm a night person. But, you know, that's when it's starting to, you know, I'm ready to get some sleep now. Now, I know everybody else there was ready probably around 10 or 11. So I got an extra several hours. But nevertheless, I'm sitting there and I'm praying. And it was structured and we're going through. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, I, I found myself kneeling at a chair praying. And all of a sudden, I saw in a vision And I think, oh my goodness, I am falling asleep. I'm starting to dream. That's what's going on right here. And I almost was going to try and wake myself up. And this is what I saw. I saw a circle, and it had green grass, really, really green grass, all in the center of it. And in the very center of it, there was this half moon, and it looked like um, the the clay that would be at a baseball park. And as I'm looking at it thinking, oh my gosh, I'm hallucinating, all of a sudden, just like in the movies, it just starts zooming out. Like this. And all of a sudden what was just this little half line zoomed into a full circle. So it was like this beautiful grassy area, but there's grass in the middle, grass on the outside, and there's this red clay circle. And this is what the Lord starts speaking to me about. And then after that, he took me to this this beach, like the picture we would see of, uh, of footprints in the sand. So it's this beautiful, glassy beach where the, the water has gone on the shoreline, and it's just this glimmering thing. And, and I'm really thinking God's going to say, hey, you know, I've been carrying you. I've been with you all this time. That's exactly what I'm thinking because I love that footprints in the sand. And as I'm looking and expecting that to be that, I heard the voice of God speak to me and said, look behind you. I did, and there was nothing. It was the same thing. He goes, "Where your past has been is not going to define you. And you can't look to your past for giving you fuel for your future. And look to your left and to your right. And I'm like, there's nothing. He goes, you cannot look to your left or to your right or even where you're going. Because where I'm bringing you, no one has gone before. Well, that's not the most encouraging word. I mean, I love it when God speaks to us, but that's a little bit confusing. What does that mean? I mean, God, how, how, can, I, how can that be for me? We see, God will often reveal to us one piece in the gigantic puzzle that is our life. If I'm honest with you, I don't really like puzzles, especially in this context. But you get this little small picture on the box, or maybe it's the lid of the box, and and you see it, and then you see all of these pieces, and it can be so overwhelming. Can I tell you, our lives are very much like that, with the exception we don't get the full picture. We don't get the box cover that we can say, oh, I see how it's all going to turn out. Remember the scripture we see partially. Only God knows what that full picture is. And when we get a piece or two, it's then when we put those together and we take the next step with those that he will give you the next piece. When we start walking towards his instructions, when we start walking towards doing what he called us to do, that's when we are able to go. Luke chapter 17 verse 11, a story of Jesus walking and meeting some lepers, more lepers in the Bible. Verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, so he's outside the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance because this is the culture. This is the law because it's so um, contagious and communicable. They're saying, hey, you guys stay far away. You, gotta, you can't be inside. You can't be with your family. You You've got to be far outside the game. In fact, your family will bring you some food. Leave it here. Go back in, and then you can come over and get it. You can't be anywhere near anyone. So they stood a distance, verse 13, and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Like Naaman, they were probably out of their choices. There's nothing left for them. They're just living in isolation with other sick people. But they heard about this Jesus. Is it possible that Jesus could do something for me? And and I don't know where you find yourself this morning, but maybe you're sitting there going, I don't know about this whole God thing. I don't know about this whole church thing. I'm still checking it out, but I I can't wrap my brain around it. But I'm out of choices. Choices. You may even say, I don't really know. Is it possible that Jesus, it, could it be real? Jesus, have pity on us. Verse 14, and when he, Jesus, saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priest. Now, uh, we see the next verse, it's highlighted there, and as they went, they were cleansed. But that means they literally took his words in obedience and started walking towards town, which was against the law. They still are sick they're walking not only into town, but they're going to walk past people who know they're sick and go, what are they doing in here? Not just one, but ten of them. Or what, What's going on? It's going to cause this commotion. And the word's going to spread, and everybody's going to come and look, in as they're walking, and then they're walking to the temple, and they're going to go present themselves to the priest? Are you kidding me? I mean, such faith, but they had nothing to lose. But one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible, is this one. One of the greatest stories, because it's as they went. As they took that next step. As they took that next step. I'm sure they were scared out of their mind, like, we could get stoned to death. Uh, I'm not really sure how this is going to turn out. We've heard things about him, but I I don't know. He didn't do anything. Maybe they thought he was going to wave his hand over them, too. As they went. The same way we talked about last week that Jesus' mom said, do whatever he says. And he says, hey, take these big clay pots, fill them with water, and take them up for consideration. You're like, filling this with water? How is that going to solve the problem with needing more wine? Another story, I'm, I'm not going to take you there for the sake of time. You can, those of you who are taking notes and want to go and study a little bit deeper, you can look in 1 chapter 17. There's a story of the widow and Elijah. And she'd lost everything, consumed it all. Her husband has died in the service of God. And she's sitting here with her last meal. And the man of God says, hey, will you cook me a meal? She couldn't see it. And he's like, hey, listen, this is what I want you to do. But do you think any of these people in the stories that we've talked about this morning, do you think any of them could see it, could conceptualize it, that their logic, their experience, and any of these things are going to like go, oh, yeah, I see how this is going to turn out. Yeah, this is going to be just fine. Why did Naaman struggle so much? What did he have to lose? Message suggests to you the same thing we have to lose. It's pride. You said they're going, but I'm the commander of all these people, and if I go do this ridiculous thing, what are they going to think about me? Yeah, if it turns out good, it'll be great. But what if it? What if I just get wet and I'm dirty, and now I'm going to be more mad? And what if it doesn't work? Possible humiliation. That's certainly not what you want as the supreme commander in the army. Sometimes when God calls us to do things or take that next step, maybe it's to say, yes, I'll go to church. Maybe I'll stop watching online. I'm actually going to go and, and show up because I, I know it's good online, but it's better in person. And, and being able to have somebody really hug your neck when we say, find somebody. But what if they don't accept me? Uh, And I I say all the time that people tell me when I'm talking to them, like, oh, the walls are going to fall down, lightning's going to strike the building, the water's going to boil, all of these different things that they think. What about being gullible? Naaman's obviously thinking, man, what if he's pranking me? And I go down and I get in this nasty river and I put myself completely under, not just one time, but seven times. And it doesn't work. Everybody's going to think that I'm gullible or I'm stupid. Isn't that like me and you? This thing that God wants me to do to take this next step or get to know him or to come to church more often or to come every week or to go all in for a year like we talk about. People are going to think I'm stupid or that I'm gullible or man, I could just be humiliated. What about those lepers? Imagine if they start walking into town and they show up at the gate and they show up in front of the priest, for examination and they're still diseased. Imagine all of how this could have turned out the wrong way. But God, but God sees the pieces and he sees the puzzle and he sees how it's all fitting together and while I see in part and I can't understand it, he sees it all. Hosea 4, verse 6 says, My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. The next version says that. They're being destroyed because they don't know me. The NIV says, My people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. But can I tell you, knowledge isn't just, hey, I, I read this scripture, or hey, I heard this message, but it's really getting it down deep inside. They didn't know me. Our core values are, number one, you've got to know God. It begins with the first step of you, you accepting me into your life, and it takes the next step of getting to know him. Proverbs 29, 18, it's on the bumper video we opened up with. It says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. And that word unrestrained means left alone or just let go. So you're just out there wandering aimlessly in life because you don't have a vision. And just like the bumper video, you've got these blindfolds on that you're walking around and you're still trying to get through life, but you're running into stuff. You're running over stuff. And they cut to when he stepped out in front of those cars in traffic. We don't know how that turned out, but that's many of us. The NIV says, you cast off restraint. Like, I can't be held down. In the NLT it says, when people... Do not accept divine guidance. They run wild. Can I tell you this morning, I'm appealing to you. I'm offering you divine guidance, not from me. I don't have any to give you. I'm trying myself to get it. But that divine guidance comes from knowing the one who made the puzzle pieces. From the one who sees The entire picture. The title of my message this morning is, I don't see it. Because oftentimes, that's where we are. That's where I'm at. And say, I don't see it. I don't get it. I don't understand how it could be so. I'm going to say no. But every example we used out of the Bible this morning, had they have gone with just what they could know and understand, they would have died unfulfilled. They would have never got the fullness of what God had for them. Peter got a vision of Jesus walking on the water when he saw Jesus doing it. Well, how are we supposed to see the things of God? How are we supposed to know what we're supposed to do? By looking at the example of Jesus himself. Peter saw somebody walking on the water for the very first time. He goes, if Jesus can do that, because he came here as a man, I can do that. But he didn't just jump out there. He said, Jesus, ask me to come out. Give me the word to come out. And Jesus said, come. Another place in John chapter five, verse 19. Jesus is talking and he says, I tell you this. The son, speaking of himself, can do nothing by himself. He's not just out there untethered, unrestrained, just out here doing whatever he wants to do, like we just saw in Proverbs. He's not alone. He can only do what he sees his father doing. And because Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Continues on, verse 24. The Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He does. Yes, He will show Him even greater works than these, and you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom He is pleased to give it. And who is that? Who is that that the Son is pleased to give life to? John three sixteen, Whosoever will. God sent his son, Jesus. Jesus says, everybody's welcome. You're all welcome to stay and be here with me. And I love the next verse and how it all ties in. Verse 22. Moreover, the Father, God the Father, judges no one, but is entrusted with all judgment to his son. And you know what his son says? I died on a cross to pay the price for your sins so you don't have to. Jesus is saying here, I'm only doing what I see the father doing. And he's like, hey, you could also tap into what the father is doing. And you're going to get life when you come to me. The Father isn't going to judge you, so it's not going to be, well, Jesus said this, and the Father goes, "I I don't know what Jesus told you. No, he says, God has relegated all of this judging to me. And I stand here having given my life for you. Jesus, of course, gave his life, as we just looked at a few weeks ago, and was buried and was raised again. And after he's raised again, he's coming, he's spending some time with the disciples. And and some of them are not understanding how this is possible. I mean, if you saw somebody you knew and you saw died, you saw the last drop of blood fall out of their body and their limp body taken in and put in the grave and the stone rolled in front of it and you saw all of this stuff and all of a sudden you see him walking in front of you, you might be going, um, is this a dream? You might be having some problems yourself. even to the point when Jesus appeared to them and Thomas wasn't there. Thomas, they're telling me, he's like, I can't believe what you're saying. I know you all are probably telling me the truth, but I can't fit it in my own mind until I see it. Thomas was saying, I can't see it. But God, Jesus is so merciful. John 20, verse 29 Then Jesus told him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus likely is not going to appear before you and say, like Thomas, here, you put your fingers in my holes where I was crucified. He's likely not going to show up to do some spectacular thing to say, Whoa, here I am. You and I fit into this. Blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe. Will you bow your heads? So this morning, I'm going to ask you are you ready to begin? Can today be your day? See, you don't have to see all the pieces of the puzzle to put the one that's in front of you with the next one. And right now, that may just be simply surrendering your life to God, saying, God, my life isn't what I thought. It hasn't turned out like I thought, and like those with leprosy and other sicknesses and illnesses and things that, man, it's not like I thought it was going to turn out. Jesus says, I'm not coming to judge you. I'm coming to accept you. Can you take that at face value? If that's you this morning. I want to just lead you in a simple prayer. Say, Jesus, I thought I could do it all on my own, but I've made some mistakes. My life's a mess, and I need you. I ask you to come live inside of me. Save me. Change me. Show me what and how to do it. Today I'm changing my mind. I'm choosing to transfer my trust to you. And not what I've always done or thought. But I choose to trust you. What your word says. Say this. I put my faith in you. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer for the very first time or maybe the multiplied numbers of times. You're still there with arms wide open waiting. God, we give all this to you. Lord, and I thank you for everyone taking their next step. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If that was you, I want to ask you to take one more step for me. Michael's already told you our, our, t- our number that we use for texting for the church is 469-289-1114. Can I ask you to take the next step and type send a text to the Word? Send the Word next to 469-289-1114. That doesn't mean you're joining a church. It doesn't mean you're doing anything. All that is is we're going to let you know what your next step could be if you'd like to take it. We also want to hear from you at what God is doing. And, and we see that a lot of people are watching and listening from all around the world, and we'd love to hear from you and to hear what you're, was going on in you. You can send an email to info at or you can send prayer requests to prayer at dfw.com. BelongDFW.com, and lastly, if you want to be a part of the financial part of our ministry and being a part of the solution and touching the lives of many people, you can go to GiveToBelong.com. Well, I have said a mouthful, so if you will stand to your feet with me, and we're going to pray and be dismissed. Father God, I thank you for everyone who has sown into this ministry this week. Those who have gone beyond their ties and their offerings, Lord, to even help with the projects like Amber and trying to help her save her stuff from storage. God, for the different ones that are in need that we're trying to be there for. Lord, I thank you for all the prayer requests that have come in this week. Lord, I thank you for all the connection cards and the welcome texts that came through. God, I thank you for what you're doing. And Father, I speak a blessing over all your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.